chapter 13. Greater things. It's incredibly humbling to know that we, as believers, are a part of that. That we get to be a part of what is to come. And scripture is clear that those greater things happen because of his son and so because of Christ and by Christ and through Christ and for Christ and he uses his church. And so when we sing that song, a part of what should get us excited, not the main thing, but a part of it. Is that we're not going to watch those greater things happen from afar. It happens in our midst. Here's what I want us to do tonight. Look at Exodus 13, verse 17. We've talked about this before. It says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. The people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. It's kind of been um, one of the images that's kind of been uh, God's used in us leading up to the move. Um, The idea that instead of God bringing the Israelites from point A to point B in a straight line, uh, he took them or the roundabout way is what run, one translation calls it. Um, if he took them from point A to point B, they were going to face some things along that journey that they did not have the faith and um, the uh, the guts and the courage and the trust in God uh, to make it through. And so when they hit that difficulty, they were going to turn and run back to Egypt. God knew that. He made them. And he created them. He knew everything that was going on. And so in his wisdom, instead of leading them into uh, something where they were going to fail because they didn't have the faith, he took them off another way to build the faith and to build the things in them that they would need in order to uh, to trust him enough to go into the battles that they would have to face and to let God be the warrior that he is. And so um, they uh, spent time in the desert learning things, and then God brought them back onto the path to march into the promised land. And so while they were off to the side, there were some things that they needed to learn. Um, they stayed there a long time, and uh, but that's not us. Um, but I want us to kind of take that that overarching idea um, and apply it tonight uh, in, in five ways. Um, these are some things that I believe while we have been here, not that this has been the roundabout way, not that this has been the desert for us or whatever, um, but... I believe that God, in our time here at Parkview, has prepared us for what is ahead by shaping some things in our hearts and in our minds that are going to be um, implemented uh, in, in those greater things that are to come in whatever our future holds. And if we're at the BCM for a year or three years or six weeks, I, I don't know. But um, in our future, as we're ahead, there's some things that have been shaped in us while we're here um, that we're going to be able to apply and certainly down the road, we're going to look back at time spent in this gym and in that sanctuary and be like, wow, God really prepared us for this when we were there. Does that make sense? Um, if that doesn't make sense, uh, maybe this will. Um, 
the karate kid. Um, you may uh, not be familiar with the karate kid. You should probably rent it because it is a classic. Um, it won't be as good as it was when you saw it in the 80s, um, for those of you who are alive in the 80s. Um, but uh, teenage boy, older uh, uh, sensei, <laughs> I just like to say that word, so if I say it a lot tonight, I'm sorry. Uh, um, Pat Morita was uh, Mr. Miyagi, and uh, Ralph Macchio was Daniel LaRusso, and he need, wanted to learn karate because, you know, whatever. And so... Um, Mr. Miyagi agrees to teach him, and so for like, uh, you know, however many days, Daniel shows up at Mr. Miyagi's house, uh, his dojo, and uh, wants to learn uh, karate, and what does, what does Mr. Miyagi do? He has him work on his house, and he has him like uh, waxing his cars, and like sanding off his, his decks, and painting the fence, and painting the house, and each time he has him do something, he has like a very specific technique. You know, the wax on, wax off is probably the most famous one or whatever. But each thing he has him do, there's a very specific way he wants it done. There's this great scene. I was going to show it, but it has just too many, um, you know, words that would get me fired in it um, to show. Uh, there's this great scene where, um, you know, Daniel is just so frustrated. He's, he's like, you're supposed to be teaching me karate, and all, you, all you're doing is, like, you're just making me work. You got me sanding your decks and painting your house and painting your fence and waxing your cars. And so uh, it's this great scene, and, and they're, like, facing each other. And Mr. Miyagi has him, you know, he's, he's like, uh, you know, like, uh, paint the fence, you know. And, and so when he had him paint the fence, he had him, like, doing this thing or whatever, and he has him start painting the fence. And he takes all these these different things that he was doing physically and puts them, like applies them as far as like defending himself in karate or whatever. And it's just this great scene where he like just puts it all together and you see that all these little random things that were going on are now going to be used in him defending himself um, in these karate tournaments or whatever. And like everything just gels and you see that this was not just for nothing. These weren't all little little things that he had him doing just to make him do stuff or just to be mean, that there was a purpose behind it. And... Um, it's just an amazing scene, and he walks away, and he's like, I've learned karate by waxing cars. You know, it's amazing. Um, these are some of the things that I think this has been kind of our paint the fence, all right, our wax on, wax off things. All right, we're going to jump around the word a whole lot. I hope that's okay. Go to Proverbs 3. If you don't want to flip around because uh, it's too dark, I understand. We're going to a place that has better lighting. So bring your Bible. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 the first thing that, that I think we have learned is about trust. Proverbs 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all, in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. I believe we've learned the difference between trusting God half-heartedly and trusting God wholeheartedly. I think we've experienced that corporately um, in some of the different things that we've walked through. Um, we've been through tragedies. We've been through victories. We've been in situations where we had no idea how to, ha how to handle it. Um, we've been in places where I have said, I think all I know to do is pray, as though prayer were like not enough, you know. Um, we've and we've been in those places as a church and as community groups and as whatever where we have 
been kind of, you know, half-hearted in our trust of him. And so we've both experienced what trusting in the Lord with all of your heart looks like, and we've experienced what trusting him with half of our heart looks like. And there have been times where we have leaned on our own understanding too much, and we always fall. There have been plenty of situations we've encountered as a church that we knew, like, this is what makes sense. This logically is how you handle it. But yet in prayer, there was another understanding brought into the picture. And we've walked together in the past couple of years, walked together as people have leaned on their own understanding and fallen down, and we've helped each other up. There have been times where we have not leaned on our own understanding. We've leaned completely on him, which would be trusting him with all of our hearts, and we've seen the fruit that comes from that. In all your ways, acknowledge him. It's a, it's a fight all the time, you know, to um, acknowledge him, whether it's a, a, about giving him credit for things, you know, um, that he gets the glory and not us, um, or whether it's acknowledging him as far as um, uh, acknowledging his role in, in every situation in life, you know. It's, it's the, the engaged couples acknowledging the role of Jesus in planning their weddings, you know, it's the it's the, the families and single people and anybody that that gets a paycheck acknowledging the role of God in dealing with your finances, you know, and and how that factors into what happens at that station back there. You know, what I mean, um, it's acknowledging the fact that there's not one aspect of our lives where God is exempt um, or we can exclude him. And so we've experienced what it's like to trust. And we've been in those places where um, Jehoshaphat was, you know, when they had like the three armies coming to get him and all this kind of stuff. And he gets up in front of everybody and his prayer ends with, we, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We've been in that place where we've been attentive and we've watched God make that path straight as an arrow. You, we may not be able to see 50 miles down the road. We may just see the next step, but that path is straight. We have learned trust. The greater things that are to come will not happen if we are not trusting our Father. Second thing. Oh, wait, I forgot to say this. I wrote this down. I thought this was good. Uh, is it okay to say that your own writings are, are good? This was good. Uh, he's given us every reason to trust him and not one reason not to trust him. I literally sat there and tried to think of a reason to not trust God, and there aren't any. Anything I could come up with, the faulty logic, because because I'm not trusting with all my heart and I'm leaning on my own understanding and I'm refusing to acknowledge him, and so my path does this. All right, sorry. The next thing, Acts chapter 2. If you want to take notes and you want to apply Karate Kid logic to it, uh, trust would be uh, wax on, wax off. Is that not? I can't hear you. I can't tell if you're laughing. I'll stop making Karate Kid jokes. I will. I promise. At the BCM, though, we're going to be like this far from each other. So 
It's just going to get awkward. All right. Um, Acts 2, verse 42 through 47 gives us this amazing snapshot. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I know that in one aspect you can read that paragraph and you can say, man, I want to be, I want to go to that church, you know. And we can look at our church and we can say, golly, we, we fall short of that, of being described like that. But I would have to disagree. That might not describe us 100% of the time, you know. That might not be our 24-7 description. But every single thing in there we have experienced. And I can name names and situations and people, and not just one, but many under all these things. Um, there is devotion. There, is, there, there are miracles. There's awe. There is togetherness. There's unity. There's sacrifice. There's joy. There's generosity. There's praise. There's favor. There's salvation. All those things we've tasted and we've seen the goodness of God as he starts showing up in those ways. We've learned what community is about, about what common unity brings to our lives. And I'll admit, not perfect, not always consistent. But to deny that it's there and that it's happened and it's happening and it's starting to happen more would be to deny the power of God at work in our midst. And I refuse to be negative about it. I refuse to to stay where I was for so long reading that paragraph and thinking that that was a dream that was far off. God has brought those things about. And it's amazing how the first point was trust. And when those things are happening, if my path is straight and your path is straight, guess what's happening? Community is happening. Acts 2, 42 through 47 begins to become more and more of a reality. And we learn these things by walking together. You know, you don't, um, you don't experience these things by yourself. So God has given us life together, bonded in Christ. So individually we learn about trust, but corporately we learn about trust. So there's this individual and corporate experience that's going on. And so that's something we've learned while we've been here. And how does that apply down the road? I mean, we've got to keep that going. I mean, you think about 
think about where we're going to be positioned. And we talked about this in the opportunities. I mean, in here, the generosity that's expressed, that's one of the things a lot of, a lot of like, uh, college students kind of in that age group really like connect with that social justice, you know, side of things. I mean, think about the generosity that is possible where we're going to be located. One of the things that we've learned, though, is that, like, living in community requires sacrifice. And so where we're going to be, like, if we're going to be generous, it means that we have to be sacrificial, you know? And so when gas prices are going through the roof, it doesn't mean that our generosity gets tapered off, you know? When our economy is getting all shaken up, and it is, and it's probably not going to get better, um, does that mean that the church, that we like pull back, or does that mean that we rise to the occasion? Think about it, as the economy does this, the church is doing this, what's going to happen? There, that, that's going to be awe. People are going to be in awe of that. That's favor with people, right? That gets people's attention. So you, we see all these all these things happening, and and God is positioning us. But I'm telling you, if we were not ready to go down the road and set up shop there for a little while, uh, if we weren't ready for that, God would not put us there because it's too important. So He has done this as we have trusted Him. He has built this community, and He's going to continue to build it. That would be paint the fence. Next thing, go to Second Peter chapter one. I'm chasing the karate kid thing. I'm sorry. You don't have to laugh. It's fine. Second Peter chapter 1. The third thing um, be relationship. These have become some pretty important verses to us as well. This is his divine power. This is verse 3, chapter 1. His divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he's granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world, because of sinful desire. 6,000 sermons can be preached in those verses. Um, everything we need for life, godliness, has been given to us by the divine power of God through the knowledge of Him. That's the part that, that God brought off the page for me, for us, about what we've learned. Um, through our knowledge of him, knowing Christ. We're not ever going to be a church that's, that comes together for other reasons than growing in intimacy with the Lord for his glory. We're, we're never going to deviate from that. And we're not going to be satisfied with spectators or consumers or, or whatever. Um, 
we're, we're just not. That is another thing that God has shaped in us. Um, we're wasting our time if church is another social gathering for us, you know. It's a place to hang out and meet people and make contacts and whatever and to give you something to do. Um, pursuing our personal, intimate relationships with God as individuals compiled together corporately is going to be huge for what we have ahead. And I love, I, I love this. I love that while we've been here, we have been renting, all right? Um, at the BCM, we'll be renting. And so we'll have a little office space or whatever. But for the most part, like, I mean, like we're homeless in a lot of ways. And I, I really like the fact that in our, in our earliest of years, we don't have a congregating place, you know. That when we think about our church, we don't think about our building. We think about people. And so it's not about building an organization or an empire or a name for ourselves or whatever. It's about building him up. And the thing is, when we are pursuing a relationship with him, we stay focused on that. As we know him more and more and more, we tap into those things that he's given us for life and for godliness. We partake in that divine nature, like it says, and we escape the corruption of the world brought by sin. That cannot change. It's going to be tempting for some things to change when we change locations. There'll be a lot of distractions, a lot of whatever, and that's fine. But I'm telling you, you, we keep pursuing the Lord. Forgetting what is behind, we press ahead always, and it's always about knowing him. And so we will not allow ourselves to be distracted by stuff. We'll trust him. Community will be key. Our relationship with God is the centerpiece. That's what we do. That's why we do it. That's something that we have learned here. And we need to keep learning that. And we'll continue to nurture that relationship. Next thing. See, that would be uh, sand the floor. telling you i commit i'm going all the way luke chapter nine we've got only got two more luke chapter nine i think this is is going to be big for us in the last uh, couple of months god's really just pressed it on me um, as we did a series on consumerism and its effect on the church. The fourth uh, word that I think describes what we've learned is cost. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And he said to all, this is Jesus talking, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Simply stated, an everyday denial of self, taking up the cross, means a lot of things. Basically, it's walking through life like Jesus walked through life. Whether that's suffering and death or ministry or 
prayer or sacrifice of some other kind, you know, whatever, denying ourselves, walking through life as he did, to the point, obedient to the point of death. And we follow him, and we walk in his steps, and we are obedient to the things that he has said. See, there is a very, very high cost with being a disciple of Christ. Tragically, um, in order to uh, get more people down the aisle and to repeat prayers and to fill out cards and to up numbers in the baptistry, um, the cost of following Christ has been watered down tremendously uh, in the church. Um, it has it's terrible. And that's one thing that we have learned is that it's going to cost us. Denying yourself is costly. There's no more there's nothing out there that's more worth it than that, but it it's costly. It may cost you a job or friends or family or you know whatever. It may cost you the American dream. You know, it may cost you comfy retirement at age 49, you know, something like that. But when we live for the glory of Christ, that cost is totally worth it. Considering what he did to buy us back. Considering that life is about him and not about us. Um, considering that the greater things that are yet to come, we get to be a part of because he is gracious and compassionate. Um, it's not my life. It's not my will. It'll cost us. We've learned that here. We've also learned why that cost is worth it. That's something has been shaped in us that we're really going to need down the road. Because the consumerism of America is not going away. Uh, it's not getting better. Um, the cost, you read, if you read the Bible all the way to the end, you see that the cost of being a follower of Christ, the costs are going to continue to go up. And that's awesome because that means he's coming back soon and all this stupidity of having to live here is going to be over with and that's going to be awesome but we'll never be a low cost discipleship church ever and people may not like that and that's fine because they don't have to um, that would be paint the house alright last thing Matthew chapter 22. So we have wax on, wax off. We have paint the fence. We have sand the floor. We have paint the house. This would be the crane technique, I guess. You know what I'm talking about. Don't make me do the pose because you know I will. This is it. The fifth word I would use would be order. Verse 34, Matthew chapter 22 says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. 
Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. The order of loving God above all else and loving what God loves, which is people, and finding ourselves to be, at best, third place. Um, we've learned why that order is important, and we've learned why, or we learned how when you get the order all crazy, how your life just goes completely wild, you know. We've learned why it says everything else, all the law, all the prophets, everything else hangs on these two things. We've learned why that is true, both in good examples and bad examples. When we get it right, we see the fruit. When we get it wrong, we see chaos. That's going to that's gonna be the case for our church. It's going to be the case for your life, for your marriage, for your family, for your job for your money, for everything. Loving God spills over into how we love people. Keeping things in that order, we've learned. As we go down the road, it's going to be really, really important. Because churches and families and individuals that live in that order, they change the world. I mean, the transformation of Baton Rouge happens in that order. And that's the way I think and I live and I pray and I minister and I serve and I love and I care and I... I everything... And if I'm doing that and you're doing that, that means corporately we're doing that. And something insane happens on the corner of Highland and Chimes on Sunday nights when we get together. Something even more insane happens when we scatter out. And so as we've been here, we've learned about trust and community and the importance of a relationship with Jesus and the cost of discipleship, and the order of our hearts, and how life, unlike what Mr. Miyagi said, is not about balance. It's about order. We've learned these things, and God now has put us back, well, God has now put us on this path to head down the road. We've been applying them, we've been learning them, we just keep doing that. And the greater things that are to come are going to blow us away. They are. And so we're going to sing a little bit. And uh, let me ask the band to just go ahead and come on up. And uh, there's a song that I uh, I heard last weekend that I asked them to learn today. Um, and it's weird because I've had this song on my iPod for a while and just... It was there. It was fine. It was a good song. 
And sometimes God just brings songs across my path or Cody's path or wherever that just fit. And so we're going to pray, and they're going to do this song. We're going to sing a little bit, and then um, we're going to be done. But I want us, I know sometimes when it's a new song, you're like, I don't know the words or whatever. Maybe you just need to listen. Maybe the goal should not be to learn the melody verbatim tonight, learn the harmony part, listen to Brandon play the drums. Maybe maybe the spirit of the song and what the Holy Spirit shaped in Tim Hughes as he wrote it, maybe, maybe this is just for us tonight and our last night here to connect with what God wants from us. Let me pray, and they're going to do this song and another one, and We'll be good to go. Let's stand up.